my name is Alice. Welcome to Rewatch, a short series where we revisit the billion-dollar zombie movie franchise, Resident Evil. My name is Andrew, and I have watched every movie and played every game in the series. And my name is Eric, and I've only watched the movies and never played the games. Welcome. We're back. We did it. We're here. (laughs) When you're, like, people in the far future will never know there was a hiatus. They will have just binged straight through and consumed all of this within a matter probably of a day, maybe two, if they were so inclined. It's true. So if if you've been waiting, thank you for waiting patiently. And if you didn't know we went away, then congrats. (laughs) Right. It's it's like binge watching a TV show. You never had to wait. Yeah. You never knew any better anyway. This is, this is a... I think much anticipated. I've I've gotten a we've, I've gotten a handful of emails. We'll talk about that in a second. We we've had someone, maybe a number of people, reach out on Twitter and on our Discord about when we might get this episode out. So <laughs> people are eagerly awaiting our, our thoughts on the final, the final chapter, Resident Evil, the final chapter. So uh, I'm I'm going to get into some rigmarole here, and then we'll we'll get right into it. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. All right. Uh, you can find this and all of our podcasts at 12and24.com. Uh, you can email us hello at 12and24.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, respectively. I'm at Dark Driving. Eric is at Platypus Jones. You can agree with us, debate us, whatever you want. Uh, I think, I feel like I said this on our previous episode, but it's been a minute. We definitely have enough to do like a reader mailbag episode <laughs> um, for a, a handful of points that we ma- we've made a lot of corrections for some of the things that I've said. <laughs> so uh, it'd be maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I think. We could do a nice short thing. I think that'll happen probably ne- uh, next week or the week after. I don't know if we're going to do the next movie and then just do a quick reader mailbag or whatever, but uh, that'll be coming up. You're, I've, re- I've replied to certain emails, and I've banked others. So... <laughs> You know, <laughs> point taken. I get it, guys. Crafty. All right. I, I get it. I'm wrong. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to tell me I'm wrong in real time, you can join us on Discord. <laughs> we have that. Uh, that's 12and24.com slash Discord. We have a dedicated rewatch channel in there, along with many other channels for all of our other podcasts, movies, games in general. It's great. Eric's on there. I'm on there. Many others are on there. We were, it was very active today. It was great. It was surprisingly active today. That's true. Somehow we tied together the, the show Supernatural into the Fast and Furious franchise. I don't know how it worked. It was incredible. It well all done. came together. <laughs> and across a couple of channels, I think. I think that jumped threads. <laughs> it certainly did. It certainly yeah. did. It's what you love to see it. <laughs> Uh, and finally, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes. That really super helps. Uh, if you are listening on Spotify, which I say this on every show, but statistically it's half of you. I see the data. Um, Spotify just released their rating system. If you want to go ahead and give us five stars on Spotify, that'd be super helpful. If you are boycotting Spotify, that is also totally fine. 
welcome new Apple Music subscriber, I guess. <laughs> Just review bomb wherever you see us. That's fine. <laughs> sure. Whatever the, but I, I review bomb positive. That's true. That the usually re- means a bad thing. But <laughs> right. Do the op, do yeah. the, the volume of a review bomb, but the positive <laughs> version of it is what I think we want. So five stars, gold, just write gold and we'll know that you listened <laughs> to this episode as your total review. All right, let's get into this thing proper. One last time for the last time for Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. We're talking about the final chapter, Eric. I can't remember much before all this started. Sometimes I feel like this has been my whole life. Running. City, there was an outbreak. It spread across the world within days. One way or another, our world is coming to an end. The question is, will we end with it? Once again, written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, and uh, co-starring alongside Mila are some usual suspects and some other folks that uh, brand new. It's weird to come into the last installment of a franchise, but uh, this this is not a traditional film in any way. These films have never really followed any kind of rules anyway, so it's fine. And like, I mean, you got to have somebody. A lot of people die in the previous film, so. It's true. It's true. Uh, Returning are Ian Glenn, Ali Larder, and Sean Roberts, uh, playing Dr. Isaacs, Claire Redfield, and Wesker, respectively. New faces include Owen Mackin, Fraser James, Ruby Rose, William Levy, and a retconned Red Queen played by Ever Anderson. And if that name sounds familiar, you guessed it. That is the daughter of Paul and Mila. I mean, you don't have to guess it. She looks just like she her does. mother. It, when she plays the younger vert, you're like, wow, that actress, they really cast someone who looked a lot like Mila. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm like counting the time. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that checks out. That checks I didn't. Out. I didn't even look it up. I was like, "That has to be Mila's daughter." <laughs> right? Casting got it right. No, it's just dad, mom, and dad. Sure, we'll touch on that in a second. Well, not in a <laughs> second. In a bit, Eric. I want to talk about budget and box office. Yeah. Why there are six of these? This is staggering. Staggering. Pulled this off from Box Office Mojo. The budget of this film back down to $40 million. And that's down from $65 million of the last two films. Each of the previous two films had $65 million as uh, their budget. Domestic uh, opening weekend here in the United States, $13.6 million, which was down from $21 million. $26.8 million domestic gross, which was down quite a bit from $42.3 million. International. $285 million, which was up from $197 million. Mm-hmm. That brings our worldwide to $312 million, up from $240 million. Bananas. It is 
pretty crazy pants. These movies aren't for us. These movies aren't for us. <laughs> I'm surprised the budget went down because we mentioned the last two couple had the the 3D conversion. Maybe that's just due to the technology getting better and more affordable. I don't know. Yeah. Because this one, I think, came out in 3D as well. I don't know. I My suspicion is that they probably didn't care for the numbers of retribution, even though, again, steadily up and to the right, at least internationally. Retribution, I think, was down from the previous film domestically. And the trend continues here. Domestically, these films kind of just... <laughs> the trend line is down. <laughs> the yeah. exact opposite of international, which is interesting. I don't know. But I don't I don't think we're missing anything here. You know, $40 million. No. It, it wasn't like I was like, well, the special effects in this are far <laughs> worse. You know, they're all. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it it is of the same caliber, you know, with the expected increase in quality just over time. Yeah. Um, so it, it certainly doesn't show that they lost any money in the budget. Yeah. It, <laughs> they got better at making these movies. <laughs> so it's just, it stands to reason that, you know, even with less money, they're like, well, we know what we're doing. We know what we're going for and we know who's watching these. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. We just have to hit that, that bar. And we're just going to do it. <laughs> clearly it worked out for them. Uh, and then going along with that, Hand in hand, hand in glove, I guess. The critical and audience reception, which, uh, as Eric and I have discussed many times, is not an, an indicator for really anything ever. Uh, but it's always interesting to see how this was received at large, right? For uh, the critics, we're at 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. And you might think that's low, but that actually makes this, the, the I believe, the highest rated Resident Evil film. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I think. Let me just verify. It's either this one or the first one. I have the information right here. The first one, yes. The first one was 36%. So this okay. is the highest rate, critically rated <laughs> Resident Evil film in the whole franchise. The audience goes 48%. Not the highest rated there. That's kind of middling for the audience. Uh, and then, uh, Eric, how are you feeling? You closer to critics or audiences here for this final chapter? Uh, I mean, I'm closer to critics on this one. It's, yeah. it's not my favorite. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, it, like, like I've said before, like the audience are cowards. You didn't all go see it the, this late in the franchise and be like, eh, it wasn't very good. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe, go to the or maybe, the, maybe they're just <laughs> honest with themselves and they're like, I like it, but it's bad. I don't know. But seems like a really low score by the time we've gotten this far in a franchise. But okay. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, I understand that. This is certainly not my favorite <laughs> one either. And I wasn't, no. I, I don't know if I was, this was the one that I remembered the least amount about. Like things sure. started again, they started coming back to me like Alice's memories do to her. But I was... I was like, I don't even, does she, does she die in this one? I can't even really. <laughs> like, <I laughs> You're like, how did they wrap it up? Yeah. It doesn't make it. I was like, I remembered that there weren't dogs again. The no, cowards. you're wrong. Well, I mean, there were dogs, but not the good dogs. There were like okay. the garbage dogs. I there want the, are, 
there Dobermans. Are dogs in this movie. There he are says, so many. There are release so many. Cerberus. <laughs> right. It was Mr. So Burns. I don't know what you wanted, but there were dogs. It was like a Mr. Burns esque release the hounds scenario, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, not my favorite. Not my favorite interpretation of the dogs. We'll get to it. Eric. Yeah. This is it. Take us through. I w- I'm ready. My body <laughs> is ready for this final chapter. All right. Um, I mean, (laughs) as far as plot goes, like this, this is just kind of set pieces, the movie, right? Like it's, you don't really get like a lot of like lore or anything except for at the very beginning and at the very end. So at the very beginning of the film, um, they do what I believe at this point is a, new history of umbrella. Like we find out who created the T virus was Dr. Marcus. Yeah. Re recast. Mm-hmm. Very confused. Um, we finally find out what his daughter was, was ill from, um, which was progeria, which is, uh, like rapid aging is how most people think of it. Yeah. The red queen, as it turns out, was modeled on his daughter uh, no big shocker there. As Andrew pointed out in the intro, though, they've they've recast the Red Queen to look just like a young Mila Jovovich because it's her daughter. Yeah. Then we get another view of another outbreak, but in a different part of the world. So, you know, we've seen like that J- Japanese outbreak twice. This time, I'm not clear what the country is. Uh, a country with a tram, apparently. <laughs> Old Tramville. Uh, yeah. Uh, and a child just gets the T-virus. Like, it didn't appear that he was bitten or escaped from anywhere or anything. Yeah. He was, he was just on a tram and got the T-virus. He falls over. You're like, falls what over. What happened? Eats his dad. Uh, the tram reaches its destination. It's actually, it's a cool sequence. Like, it, it's shot really well. It's a good, like, horror movie kind of thing. Um, then we get, like, some more backstory, I guess. Uh, Marcus wants to, like, shut everything down. And Jorah Mormont's like, no, uh, I'm evil. Um, <laughs> we'll find out what he, how evil he really is later. But he's sure. like, no, I'm evil. So they, he and Wesker kill James Marcus and this trope that only happens in movies, the child becomes a ward of the corporation. Like specifically it is of, of, uh, uh, Dr. Isaacs. Right. But like, it's just this weird thing that happens in movies where like dad's corporate raider friend becomes the, the, uh, guardian of the child. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Iron Man, you know, it's that situation. Anyway, uh, then after all of that, then we get a recap of all the movies we've seen. This is done pretty rapid fire, just uh, hundreds of shots from all of the various films, right? And Alice, yeah. uh, is telling you that it's her story and that it's the end, which like, you know, we knew from the title, but then we open on the White House, which is where we left. So it's, it is within this franchise that generally there's that loose continuity. 
Like where, <laughs> wherever we stopped the last time we go back there. I mean, you say loose and it's that loose. is not even that, that word does not describe the continuity <laughs> of it. at least the white house sequence. Right. I'm still like, when oh. we left, there was a giant battle going on. Yeah. When we come back, all of Washington DC is dead. Yeah. Uh, and let's just, let's also not gloss over the fact that Wesker was the president of the United States. Yes, yes he was. <laughs> okay. Just want to make sure. Whatever was left of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we see Alice stumbling out of the wreckage. I, we have of course no idea how she lived, yeah. what happened, nothing. Um, there's a, a fun shot of a destroyed DC with like the reflecting pool and the Washington monument in the background. Yeah. I don't Love know why good. I'm a sucker for those kind of things. Oh, uh, it's, you know, it's fallout three did a number on me and I just, <laughs> I, you know, that, that imagery I'm like, Oh Yeah. DC is the wasteland. You love, I, 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 it's the best. It's so good. I think my problem is I'm playing too many realistic games that use a town, like the division. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> you're like, yep, this yep. is dark. Yeah. <clears throat> this went off the rails. Yeah. Uh, there's a nice jump scare here. Alice drinks out of the reflecting pool and the zombie tries to get her. He, for some reason is chained to the reflecting pool. Um, but so she's fine. Uh, she wanders on a bit more. She's like searching for supplies. Um, and a giant flying monster pops up. And like, we saw these, I guess at the end of the last movie. Yeah. Um, there's no clear understanding of where they came from and what they are. Right. Um, we know that the virus causes humans to mutate and we've seen some mutant dogs, Presumably these were some sort of flying creature, but they certainly don't look like it. They look like, you know, like nemesis or one of the other like engineered items. Yeah. Uh, Alice hops in a Humvee. There's a fun chase. Uh, plays a little game of chicken with it and pins it to the wall. Blows that bad boy up. There's a, a twinkle in the sky. And then some alarms go off, <laughs> like really loud, like air raid sirens go off, but only for like a second. Yeah. And, and it's, it is legitimately unnerving. Right. Um, but then we realized that the twinkle, we cut to the umbrella satellite feed. I, I find it hard to believe you are seeing that satellite in the daytime, but whatever. <laughs> Um, it's a, it's quite a twinkle. Yeah. It's well put. I mean, yeah. it is certainly that, but it's this, this, this whole franchise is wild with the satellites. <laughs> uh, Alice hears like a repeated mechanical sound, which she sort of tracks down. She finds an underground office. Turns out it's like an old dot matrix printer, which doesn't make any sense for the timeline of this movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool in that like weird sort of vaguely cyberpunk, but with retro equipment way, the printer is printing out. Hello, Alice. Uh, and it turns out it's the red queen. Why she was using the printer, but then can suddenly appear in a holographic display is confusing. <laughs> um, but she shows up and she says there's like 4,500 people left on earth, right? The, Umbrella Corporation has developed an airborne antivirus 
And that's in Raccoon City in the Hive. Yeah. But there's only 48 hours left before everybody dies. Yeah. The last time the last time we saw Raccoon City, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. it was being hit by a nuclear warhead. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. I just want to I have I have yeah. some notes about that actually. Great. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Alice is given a literal ticking clock. Um, the Red Queen sets a timer on her watch, just like your iPhone. Uh, she has 48 hours. Uh, so she drives to Raccoon City. Um, her car gets road spiked, uh, and she gets out and finds a, a motorcycle, which is clearly a trap. It's I, so- like It's like... Not even a question. Yeah. It's like a perfectly shellacked. It's like waxed. It's a shiny bike. Yeah. It's like from, it's it's immaculate, this bike. (laughs) And like, I guess there's an argument to be made that's like, Alice knows it's a trap and da da da. But like, she gets caught in it. Like, that doesn't seem like a good strategy. Yeah. Um, She ends up like doing a lot of badass killing while like dangling from a bridge by one foot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a fun little like under the bridge set piece. Uh, but then she gets on the motorcycle and that's actually booby trapped anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was for nothing. And like, I had a question here about like the last of humanity uh-huh. because like of the like 4k that the red queen is talking about, is she counting like umbrella goons? Because Alice has no compunction about killing those people, right? Like there's only 4,000 people left on the earth. You'd think you'd preserve as many as possible. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, again, the umbrella has been rather cavalier with their forces. <laughs> you know, Jorah Mormont specifically just letting great scientific minds <laughs> just be <laughs> ravaged by zombies. <laughs> yep. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so she wakes up on a, like, transport vehicle. We, we will later find out it's kind of a big tank. Um, there are 20 hours left for mankind, and Jura Mormont's there. So you're awake at last. I killed you. Yet here I am. A clown. I killed your clown. You'd be most troublesome to me. You and your sisters. And now I have you. The cleansing operation should have finished over a year ago, but you slowed us down. So much so that I was obliged to take command myself. You could end all of this. Someone told you something, didn't they? Oh, well, you'll be begging to tell me soon enough. Um, He's clearly, like, had some sort of, like, cult-like religious conversion. Uh, He's got crosses hanging everywhere. His knife has Bible verse on it. Like, he's clearly kind of tipped over into, like, apocalypse cult. Yeah. It's very cool. It's a very cool uh, pivot for that character. I, I actually really enjoyed that. The the zealot, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was good. He like kicks her out, and she's like tied to the tank, so she has to like 
run behind the tank with zombies chasing her. There's no real reason for this. One would assume if you wanted to kill Alice, you'd just kill Alice. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it makes for a cool shot. Um, They start tight on Mila, like running, and that's, you know, that is stakes, right? But as we pull out, we realize that like, there are thousands of zombies following this tank that yeah. like, we hadn't realized before. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the hive, uh, Wesker and Mormont chat. Uh, Mormont tells Wesker to raise the security of the hive to maximum. And I only bring that up because when we get to the hive, what the fuck? Alice, of course, gets loose. There's a, you know, a pretty good fight on a moving tank surrounded by zombies, right? So, like, there are all kinds of, like, fun little moments in that. Uh, Alice ultimately escapes by cutting off Jorah's hand and stealing a motorcycle. Yes. Which was stored in the tank. Yeah, that's a thing. It's like how Batman's Batcycle was stored in the tumbler. But but, but not, it be- not- but it's, it's actually a full-size motorcycle be, inside of right. <laughs> inside of a tank. But no. <laughs> so it's I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not that at all. And like I I guess there would could be an argument to be like, well, maybe they have a dirt bike for like recon, but no, this is like a Ducati. This is like Right. It's not a yeah, there's no Yeah. This I is mean, a tech- road bike. If you took it in the mud, <laughs> you would instantly stop. Uh, there are 17 hours left till the end of humanity. Mm-hmm. Also, important point, is it just going to happen all at once? Because I would assume that like those 4,500 people are slowly dying over 48 hours. Also, anyway, you yes, you bring up some interesting points that the movie almost entirely undoes at the end. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so we do see Raccoon City. Alice, like, does arrive. Um, and it is mostly a crater. Okay. Um, we don't need to discuss how Alice navigates around because when we next see her, um, she gets distracted and taken out with a stick. So, like, once again, the limits of Alice's powers are just very confusing. Yeah. She wakes up with some survivors. Turns out Claire Redfield is there. She had been captured on the Arcadia and escaped. Um, so there's, like, lots of hot new survivors. Um, over the course of, you know, a few minutes, uh, the survivors agree to help Alice if she helps with Mormont who they can see is coming now, right? Like with their binoculars, they can see that there's like a couple of tanks and an army of the undead, like descending on Raccoon City. Yeah. It looked like they were using heat vision for the undead, which was an interesting choice. I don't, maybe they weren't, but that's certainly what it appeared to look like. I have a note that is spot more armies of the zombies by heat vision question mark. (laughs) Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah, because, like, they presumably don't give off heat. Right. Um, but maybe friction. I, I don't <laughs> it's a trying, kinetic energy right. <laughs> measuring tool. I'm trying to give the movie the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> well done, well done. Uh, so we get a nice little, like, siege set piece. 
we discover that the one of the hot new survivors is Ruby Rose. Yes. Um, she has like rigged up the window washing uh, crane so that they can like uh, put lots of uh, uh, barrels of, I guess, gasoline or oil around the building. Yeah. But then also they turn it into a trebuchet. <laughs> yes. Which we never see. We never actually see operating. Not really clear what happened here, but it's fine. Yeah. So the tanks roll up, Jorah Mormon in his, and then some flunkies in the other. Yeah. Uh, they fire their first gas can. It hits the flunky tank, and, like takes that tank out immediately because for some reason they have their roof hole open. <laughs> right. The fire <laughs> just pours into this thing. I guess on a tank, that's a hatch. I don't think roof hole is a technical term. But. <laughs> their sunroof was wide open. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Mormon closes his roof hole, um, and you know they're getting closer and closer to this. This there's a literal drawbridge, right? Uh, so Jorah has an idea. He takes out one of his human survivors and lets her go, and she, you know, like hauls ass towards the the uh, drawbridge uh, yeah. with just hundreds of zombies behind her. Um, and so they lower the drawbridge, which is just stupid, but this is where we are. Yeah. Uh, and right before the woman's about to make it, Jorah shoots her. Uh, the end result is as they're raising the drawbridge, the zombies get in. Of course they do. It's terrible. So they have a fallback position. Again, this whole set piece is just like a siege, right? It's like defending the castle. Yeah. Um, they have a fallback position. Where they only have like three people trying to hold the doors to all of these zombies for some reason. Uh, obviously, that does not work. Uh, there's like this one cute red shirt gets just straight up eaten. Um, so Alice is like, okay, guys, get out of there. And they set the whole goddamn building on fire. Like the whole, the inside, the outside, like just the whole goddamn building is burning. Yeah. Except for one zip line that Alice uses to travel like 60 stories and it stays attached the whole time. Okay. So the visual of what is happening here was, it was awesome. I mm -hmm. loved it. Even though it made no goddamn sense. No, it looks super cool. Like, yeah. They ba like, they basically drenched the building in gasoline because it's, Catching on fire, going down. Yeah. And it, it looked awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but again, not very practical. There goes your entire stronghold. <laughs> like, I, I, there are so many questions about that strategy. Like, I don't know what happened to those people at the bottom of the building. Like, yeah, where did they obvious, go? Obviously, they were fine, but how are they fine, right? Like, it was very impractical yeah. use of fire. We waited in the basement is what it was. And then... <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and then we snuck out. Uh, so as I said, Alice like zip lines down. Uh, there's a, a guy that comes out to fight her in hand-to-hand -hand combat for no reason. Yeah. Uh, Alice has a triple barrel shotgun. Yes. I have learned is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> you looked it up. You looked it, it is, up. It is not super common. Yeah. And they are not side by side like that. Correct. Yeah. 
but apparently you can get a triple barrel shotgun. It looked, it's a, the visual of this gun and it's, it's base. it's like, it's like a sawed off too. It's not a long shotgun. It looks awesome. It looks incredible. She dumps gasoline in the tank and lights it, but the guys are fine. I don't know. I was, I was a little confused by this whole sequence. They escaped out the back of the tank. Uh, okay. I, I All right. Think. All right. He smelled it. Jorah Mormont smelled it or, you know, he was in there. It, it was, it was edited. I, I think they were like covering up that they didn't have. Well, enough. and I, like, and I think I looked away, like, to be honest with you for like 10 seconds and was like, what just happened? A lot can happen in these movies. Just in a, just in the three seconds, you know, there's so <laughs> many cuts, so many cuts. Uh, so our team, um, is like, we're going to the pit. Or wait, is, does Jorah say he's going to the pit? I don't remember. Everybody's going to the pit, right? Yeah. Which is the crater in the middle of, of Raccoon City. We get to a little 3D map of the hive, and Wesker's like, turn every all the security on, but turn off the automation. He was already supposed to turn it up to max. What is he doing? <laughs> turn it up to max, but also turn most of it off. It's fine. It is a little bit confusing when they realize that the Red Queen is in on it. Yeah. Because it's sort of implied here that Wesker knows, but he just says it's because she let them escape the last time. So whatever, right? Uh, And then he says, unleash Cerberus. We get zombie dogs. To your point, Andrew, they have mutated quite a bit. Yeah. They are not just meat-covered, you know, Dobermans anymore. <laughs> Which was the best part. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's so many. There are six dozen, at least. There's so many, and they're, like, so, like, roided out on T-Virus that, like, it's not really fun anymore. Yeah. Uh, we lose another red shirt to the dogs, but we jump into a lot of water because everyone knows dogs can't swim. <laughs> well, they did. The, I thought it was pretty interesting that, cause I was like, well, what a cool visual it would be to have, you know, six dozen dogs leaping off the cliff behind them. Um, and a few do seem to fall off, but they, cause they're full of holes, I guess. I don't, un- I don't really right. understand why. They just sink to the bottom. I was like, yeah. that could have been a real harrowing situation if they could swim. I'll be honest with you, because <laughs> they could swim a lot better than us. Also, this water has to be like insanely radioactive. Oh, my God. The Geiger counter would be like. <laughs> like, I, I believe in the like in-universe timeline, it has been 10 years since the T-virus outbreak. Sure. If I'm like putting together, you know, bits and pieces of of some of the backstory. Yeah. But like Raccoon City is still glowing at this point. Oh, my God. Um, it would not be, you know, if you've seen Chernobyl, you you would understand what, what would be happening to these people. <laughs> it's not great. Um, the dogs catch up with them, but they stop because they're afraid of whatever is down there. Good so. guess. Good guess. It's gonna be it's gonna be scary. Now that our team is at the door, Wesker announces to seal the hive. What the 
fuck was maximum security? <laughs> right? Like, I'm so confused by all of these, like, late security measures. I think it's, it, 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 it literally, like, um, Umbrella's biggest fault you know, biggest flaw is hubris. It has to be. It's just like, if this shit was sealed up, there's no way into this place. Right. <laughs> Literally. So, uh, the team gets in, um, and there is a, a red queen info dump. You asked why I would turn against Umbrella, and I promised you an answer. Soon after the T-Virus was released, a secret file was uploaded to my data stream. It was a recording of a meeting of the Umbrella High Command, dated 17 months before the viral outbreak occurred. We are here today not just to talk about the future of this company. We're here to talk about its destiny. We're here to talk about the end of the world. We stand on the brink of Armageddon, diseases for which we have no cure. Fundamentalist states who call for our destruction, nuclear powers over which we have no control. And even if we navigate these dangerous waters, we face other, even more inevitable threats. Global warming will melt the polarized gaps within 80 years, flooding 90% of all habitable areas on Earth. Unchecked population growth will overtake food production in less than 50 years, leading to famine and war. This is not conjecture. This is fact. One way or another, our world is coming to an end. Now the question is, will we end with it? Uh, is a big fan of Thanos, clearly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we need a reset. They release the virus deliberately to cleanse the earth, right? And the board and and important people associated with Umbrella will ride it out in a sort of proverbial arc. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where like uh, – spoilers for later in the movie. Clearly old Alice is there. Yeah, at the head, at the head of the table, or the, and like you know. M- Mila's voice is distinct enough that like I realized who it was. Yes, I'm not sure why there was supposed to be a reveal later. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, and it wasn't as big a reveal as I think they thought they were doing. <laughs> they didn't do like I don't know. You know, there's like there's things you could do in like post or just like, she's not, she doesn't speak. She's just like standing behind a one way mirror or something, or I guess a two way yeah. mirror. Yeah. I don't know. Like, There's just what, yeah. I just thought it was, fu- I thought that was funny too. Cause it's like, it was like, if I asked you Eric to do an impersonation of an old person, it's still your voice and you just do an inflection. That's what Mila was doing. It was like, he was like, be old. And she's like, well, <laughs> like it, it's that that's all it was. Yeah. The red queen then privately tells Alice that there's an informant in the group. And then we like 3d map transition over to Jorah Mormont who just finds another tank in the road, uh, and hops in. Yeah. Uh, and kills everybody in that tank. Cause he wants to go to the pit. We get a, uh, there, there needs to be a name for this. There is a big fan set piece. Uh, somebody trying to get through a giant fan. Um, yeah. 
this one is at least more interesting because there's like four or five fans in sequence. Yes. I don't even think that's how fans work, but no, I don't know what the hell that would, they're like, it's ventilation. You're like for like, is it a jet engine? (laughs) Yeah. That's the, yeah. We're talking about multiple turbines in a row. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, they get through and like Ruby Rose's character is, is kind of stuck. She's frozen. Uh, Alice goes in and saves her. Um, but then Wesker, uh, (laughs) in the greatest sci-fi trope reverses the polarity of the fan. Yeah. Again, that's not how fans work. You would just reverse the fan. Uh, (laughs) and then the fan eats Ruby Rose, right? So yeah, it's real sad. Rest in peace. Ruby Rose, you were in this movie for like 15 minutes. And then here's another part I wasn't totally clear about. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Wesker just turns the fan off or do they turn the fan off? No, he just turns it off. He's like, well, sure. I got one that, yeah, it's like that clearly (laughs) everyone else has a pretty strong grip. They're literally being lifted off the ground. (laughs) He's like, well, it looks like they're no, all right, shut it down. Sure. Sure. The next time we see them, they are lost in the vents. Um, Alice pulls out a legitimate 3D map. I don't know where this has been for the entire franchise. Uh, but like pops it out just like she's playing Resident Evil, the video game. Yeah. And uh, figures out where they need to go. But as that happens, um, the previously dark vents start to light up in that way that only happens in movies where the lights come on in sequence. Um, and then one of our red shirts gets dropped in a pit. Uh, and honestly, it's pretty great. Like it happens really quickly. You don't see it coming. It's a big gnarly pit. Um, he, he catches on. It. Yeah. He catches on to the grate and then has to let go. Cause the grate closes. So close. So yeah. close. Uh, then Alice gets dropped into a room as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like dead people on meat hooks and, and luckily a chainsaw, <laughs> uh, not uh-huh. clear on what this room was for. Maybe it's an autopsy room, something like that. Yeah. Nobody in production design cares. No, not at that. Uh, They're like, we're done. We're f- this is the final chapter. Who gives a shit? Um, there's a, like a really fast zombie in this room. So we keep getting little sort of jump scares of that. Um, and then the, I was unclear if the, the red shirt was already in the room or got dropped in the room, but there's, there's another guy in there with her. Yeah. Uh, we discover that the fast mover is kind of a giant mutant zombie. He's, he's like a cross between venom and pumpkin head. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. Well, nice imagery. Okay. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's like a big fight. Uh, Alice like shoots him a bunch of times. That doesn't seem to do the job. Uh, she like, hooks him with a chain and he sort of disembowels himself. Yeah. Um, as like, he's chasing her. He's just fully pulling the chain up his torso. Uh, and he like kind of dies, but not totally. So then she stabs him in the face. Right. Uh, fun little fight. Um, there seem to be no powers being used in this film, Mm. which is, uh, it's an interesting choice because I feel like 
and maybe I'm misremembering, I feel like the Red Queen told Alice that like her powers were still intact. Yeah. Oh no, that's where we left her. Yeah, she was yeah. doing flips and all sorts of sh- shit. Yeah. We cut over to Wesker, who says, wake them. And then we cut away. (laughs) (laughs) Jorah drives his tank to the point of, like, breaking, um, but gets to the pit. Yeah. Uh, Claire wakes up in a glass box. At some point, there's a character named Doc. He is Claire's love interest. At some point, Doc shows up with Alice. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out they are in the laser hallway. Right? Oh. And we're like, oh shit, we're in the laser hallway. We've got to go. Yeah. So they do. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, right? yep. that was disappointing. <laughs> they go back to the sort of main computer terminal from all the way back in the first movie. And good news, all of that tactical team's equipment is still there 10 years later. Uh, and still in good working order. Yeah. A lot of C4. Like, <laughs> like an unfathomable amount that are just left on the ground. So now they have some good guns and some explosives. And what we learn is that the right under that desk, uh, ever since the first movie, is the final level of the hive, which is full of cryogenic storage. <laughs> it is just like frozen people as far as the eye can see. So are these people... Also part of the remaining 4,500 people left on Earth as well. It's a good a, question. This is a lot of people. This like the like the elite. The elites are down here. The, the 1%. This is them. All of them. Yeah. I, it's a good question. I don't know where the Red Queen is getting her numbers. <laughs> I need a fact. We're Snopes. We, got, <laughs> we yeah, need some seriously. facts. Yeah. Uh, we discover that the people who have been woken up, one of them is uh, Jorah Mormont Prime, right? Like the, <laughs> the real Dr. Isaacs yes. is woken up. Uh, and without any other information, immediately knows that the Red Queen has, has betrayed them. Is it done? The cleansing process is complete? No. Then why am I awake? We had a problem. I tried. Save your breath. I know exactly what's happening. We've been betrayed. <laughs> this is first. <laughs> like, his first sentence is like, yep, it was her. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, clone Jorah. See, this is where... This is where this franchise loses me a little like sure I, I, all the cloning right like <laughs> not so much we've seen all of these people die yeah. many times over but clone jorah's got all his zombies real jorah is awake yeah um claire makes a a tiny bomb from from some gunpowder and breaks her cage that was cool as shit i really like that a lot <laughs> it was Super nice, but then, like, we discover Wesker's been sitting right there and just follows her. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't he just kill her? What is, what are we doing here? <laughs> so, uh, like, Alice and Doc kind of find this pathway to the main control center. Um, Alice meets Mormont Prime. Yeah. Um, he has the antivirus. Apparently, there's just one vial. 
<laughs> he's got to save like, the whole world. Yeah. It was like in his uh, pocket while yeah. he was in stasis. He's like, I have it. It's right here. <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, don't come near me or I'll break it. And you know, no one will be saved. He was never planning on saving anyone. So I don't know why that's a threat. Yeah. Uh, turns out doc is the traitor. Nobody cares. <laughs> Claire shows up at this point just to be a hostage and like Wesker is right behind her again. Yeah. Don't know why he didn't kill her. Uh, we get a fun new moment in, you know, this franchise where Alice flashes through all the scenarios of how she can kill via kill Jorah Mormont. Yes. Um, Again, never seen this before. Had no idea this was one of Alice's powers. Yeah, like the uh, the efficacy of like yeah. you know a bottle of gin. You know, it's like twenty three percent chance of survival. <laughs> uh, but then we learn that Drats, this brand new power means nothing because Jora has predictive combat software in his <laughs> his eyeballs. In his yeah, in his eyes. I guess he has a contact lens or something. That was. The they ran the sequences like a couple of like variations and how he wins every time. I was like, that's actually pretty good. Like, I don't understand how any of this shit actually works, but okay, that's pretty fun. Yeah, like in the context of storytelling, it's a completely stupid, pointless diversion. Yes, but like it looks cool. It does. Right? Like, I feel like a lot that's the story of this film. <laughs> it is, it is the elevator pitch of this entire franchise is just like, it looks cool. It does. We find out that the other person that was woken up was Alicia Marcus and Alice is the clone of Alicia Marcus. Mm. Again, not a surprise. Yeah, right. I thought the old age makeup was fairly decent. I loved it except for the teeth. I don't know why they don't, grunge Wait, up the teeth a little bit. Don't do the teeth. She had like a perfect smile, which was like probably the most unnerving thing I've ever seen. I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't, uh, I got like the bad chills. I was like, I don't care for an old person with a great smile. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Have you been watching the book of Boba Fett? No, um, no, like, I haven't. Not yet. Is, it, is this also apparently a the, Apparently the Sarlacc gave Boba Fett some new veneers. It's, oh, I don't care for that. I don't like Really dis. <laughs> It's just distracting. <laughs> so um, there's some conversation here um, between Alicia and Alice and the Red Queen. Um, there's a, you know, Mormon has a fun line where he refers to him as the Trinity of bitches. I'm not a clone. Really? You must have wondered why you remember nothing of your childhood, your father, your mother. No, you have no memory because you had no life. Nothing before the mansion when we created you ten years ago. I know who I am. I don't think so. You're nothing more than a puppet whose strings were cut. And then you wandered around for a little while, thinking you were a real girl, but you're not. You're just a clever imitation. A facsimile. A rather troublesome one at that. You're lying to me. I'm afraid he's not. You were created in her image, as was I. My likeness and voice were based on childhood recordings of Lisa Marcus, made by her father. Your genetic structure is based on her DNA, tweaked to avoid the progeria aging disease that afflicted her. I'm the child she was. You are the woman she would have been. 
there is uh, an extensive discussion of the corporate structure of Umbrella again, <laughs> where like Mormont threatens Alicia that like when the board wakes up, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are we seriously still doing this? Um, we've got like the old like first rule of robotics, right? The problem is the Red Queen can't do anything to anybody that works for Umbrella. Yeah. So old Alice fires Wesker so that the Red Queen can hurt Wesker. Oh, very exciting. How does he get hurt, <laughs> Eric? How does he get hurt? No, I think you should share. We've seen this man, Albert Wesker, okay? We've seen him dodge bullets. We have. We've seen him perform feats of supernatural strength. He is basically a agent in the Matrix, yes. He, yes, that is the, the most apt comparison for Wesker. Mm-hmm. And this motherfucker gets taken out by a door. It was the slowest door in. Claire moved out of the way of the door to put it in perspective. And Wesker gets his whole ass leg caught in a door. Just smushed. Immobilized. (laughs) He is out of the game now. Yep. Fuck. Uh, So we do a quick time check. There is four minutes and 53 seconds left to save the world. Yeah. And our team is arguing whether it's worth saving the whole world because it will also kill Alice. What the fuck are we doing? (laughs) Right? Uh, At this point, old Alice is like, you go. I'm going to hang out here and, like, catch up on shit. Right. I got some emails. (laughs) (laughs) As it turns out, she is actually doing something. Yeah. Isaacs takes the Red Queen offline, but she gets the last word and tells him they're all going to die down there, which is great. Loved it. There's a fight between Isaacs and Alice in the laser tunnel. Um, It never goes full grid, so who cares? Right. The, the, like, hallway rearms, blah, 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 but Isaacs just, like, cuts off Alice's fingers. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, while he was doing that, she was stealing his grenade pin. We played a long game, you and I. But now it's over. Yes. Yes, it is. Super sassy. Love it. It was a cool, it was like a, the grenade was like in his jacket pocket and it like destroys like the half of his body, like half of his torso. It was a cool like visual. Again, But then he reboots. Well, (laughs) you know, that's a thing people do. He sure does. Just reboot. 
Um, but while he's rebooting, Alice grabs the antivirus and like hauls ass for the surface. Yeah. Um, at this point, the score is working like overtime with their like apocalypse suite. It's it's Ugh. really really telling you bad things are happening. Yeah. Clone Isaacs and real Isaacs uh, meet, and Clone Isaacs is sad. So he kills real Isaacs. <laughs> it was like it was very him. anticlimactic, though. Yeah, like, like, literally just walks up and stabs him. Um, uh, okay. Clone Isaacs gets eaten. And then they set off the explosives. I don't think I mentioned they rigged all of the cryogenic tubes to explode with all that C4 they found. Yeah. Uh, the explosives go off. We see old Alice die. Uh, Alice drops the antivirus and it poofs into the air. And then the like whole army of the dead dies. It apparently works very quickly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's instantaneous. Uh-huh. Uh, and Alice also dies. No, wait, she didn't actually die. Uh, the Red Queen tells her it was all a hustle. Uh, the T virus only killed, or sorry, the antivirus only killed her T cells and left her fine. Oh, and we can also upload all of old Alice's memories. <laughs> so now you're a real girl. <laughs> Take this contact lens here. But then, then as we have, despite the fact that this is called the final chapter, uh-huh. this movie still has an open ending in case they want to come back. Alice gives a little VO about how since the, the antivirus is spread, is airborne, it could take a while for it to spread everywhere. Well, no shit, lady. Like, <laughs> yeah. How does this help the 4,500 people left you on s- Earth? You started on the eastern seaboard. <laughs> it's going to take a while to get to China. Yeah, it will literally, I mean, they will, you know, you've saved whatever, whoever happens to be in Raccoon City. Exactly. For what that's worth, I guess. Um, so she's rolling away, presumably to like kill more zombies. And, and as she is, she's being chased by like big bird zombies and like gives a little smile. And then we cut to credits. (sighs) Yeah. Wow. The end, Andrew, (laughs) the final chapter, final, final chapter. Finally, we get closure. Um, maybe, (laughs) I guess, I guess. (laughs) I mean, it, it does end like on a surprising, a surprisingly like confident note. Yeah. Um, it does feel like a last chapter. Uh, it does like, uh, wrap up some, some stuff, right? Yeah. I can get behind that. So like, I can't. I, I can't begrudge it that like it, it works. It, it It's so it's one of those situations. It's, it's a little bittersweet where it actually introduced a fair amount of questions. And I was like, God damn it. I just want <laughs> answers. And I'm like, well, we, we, we have come to the end potentially. Like you said, it's, it's open. And if you, if you were to tell me in like, Five years, they're like, guess what we're doing? (laughs) 
we're bringing we're going back, back to w- the W.S. Anderson verse. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I can't say that I wouldn't go watch that movie <laughs> as well. So there is yep. that. There is that. Well done. I like that recap. I think that did it justice. It, that did the movie uh, a fair amount of justice. <laughs> I want to ask. Again, really just a series of set pieces. Yeah. And uh, again, many of them very visually impressive, you know? Oh, a lot of fun, for sure. Uh, So that is not to be discounted. But sometimes it just doesn't... We're left wondering uh, how, but, you know... Like, when you had mentioned the... They're like, they get through the fan sequence, and then it, Mm -hmm. like, cuts to Wesker doing Wesker-y shit... And then, like, we cut back to our team, and they're like in this very small series of events. You're like, it would have been nice to like kind of get the <laughs> how, how how did we get here? <laughs> like, why were the vents? I don't know. It's fine. I mean, also, if you want to get really technical, like, just from a from like a macro level, right? Like, we saw the first movie. Yes, the virus was not released intentionally. Right, like, yeah. I mean, they've really undone quite a bit. So, of- like, they would have to retcon that Isaac's hired the guy who might be Alice's husband, but isn't. Like, it's just a whole thing, but it's fine. And the whole Marcus thing is like, we saw that dude in the second movie. That ain't him. <laughs> like, totally. I could forgive like yeah. a recast, but and I- like Jared Harris is still alive. Like, yes, you, you could have used him. Yeah. It, I don't know. I, maybe Jared Harris is like, I mean, he, making these fucking things. Like, <laughs> he might have said, no, that's valid. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. I get it. Uh, he's like, that was just a paycheck for me back then. It was probably a pretty good paycheck. I imagine. <laughs> I, I think these movies have had a pretty steady increase in stakes, right? Or, or not, no, not necessarily stakes. That's not the, that's not the correct term here. In design and execution, right? What is your favorite kill in this movie? I think we've had some pretty good kills over the course of the series. Did one stand out to you in this one? So uh, individually, no. Yeah. Like I, I found the fight scenes difficult to follow. Yes. They were using that like really kinetic cut, cut, cut fight choreography that just makes it impossible to know what's going on. Um, So my favorite kill is going to have to be a cheat, and that's setting the whole fucking building on fire. (laughs) He killed every zombie in that motherfucker. I mean, Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool sequence just to start with. There's like a, there's like a fun, like action movie line where they're like, what are we going to do? And she's like, kill every one of them. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do this. Yes. Right. So uh, I I don't really remember like there are not memorable other kills. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I'd be inclined to agree with you on that one. The only other one that comes close as a single kill was when we first encountered the giant bird bat zombie and she smashes it to death with a Hummer in the beginning. Uh, but that wasn't like it wasn't great, uh, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, again, chaotically edited. Um, That one was, uh, although that one was a little better, like at least I sort of understood the geography. Yeah. Um, But like, 
nah, it was fine. I think the the Alice kills upside down under the bridge were the coolest for her, like in terms of her action in the movie. I really enjoyed that whole sequence. It was like very kind of upside down ballet situation. Ironically, that sequence was probably the clearest. Like, first yeah. of all, it's, it's like daytime. Right, yes, um, that helps. Noth- nothing's on fire, right? Um, but then like they do a couple of like ballet balletic type camera movements around it too, which was yeah. kind of fun. So yeah. Not, not, not great. Not a great, uh, not a great capstone for best kill, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I kind of wish we had watched all the movies before deciding on this, on this section of the show, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's, yeah. It, it is what it is. Zingers, you know, yeah. that's, that's it. There's no, there's no riding a motorcycle into a church while killing zombies moment in this one. <laughs> right. He used all of his best material up front. He didn't, how, how would he have known he'd be making six of these goddamn things? There's no quarters, a shotgun full of quarters in this one. Like, yeah. It's just, it's just not there. That's true. That's true. All right. Here comes something very, uh, this is very near and dear to both my heart and, and our listeners hearts as well. <laughs> we, we have a lot of suggestions for the, for these. Oh yeah. Uh, that's part of, that's going to be a huge part of the email bag. Uh, people's versions of this, which I love. I yeah. think this was like kind of like some divine inspiration, uh, but and it really sparked everyone's imagination. So thank you for writing it with your uh, blank with zombie suggestions. If you have some, please send them and we'll read them on our uh, and discuss them on our episode. Uh, but we have determined that uh, Paul W.S. Anderson has fixated on a film mm-hmm. and then made a Resident Evil film uh, based off of that. So we call it blank with zombies. And the list thus far is such the first film is aliens with zombies. Yeah. The second film is escape from New York with zombies. The mm-hmm. third is Mad Max with zombies. Love that one. Hmm. The fourth is the matrix with zombies. Huh? The fifth one is a little cheeky, but I think it's totally ap- uh, totally appropriate. Eric agrees is resident evil <laughs> with zombies. Yeah, That's he's our just greatest hits. He's That's just our, remixing himself there. He he yeah. rewatched the first four and was like, "All right, let's do this." He's like, "God damn, I made some pretty intriguing films." I yeah. have to say. <laughs> so, Eric, uh, we were talking before the shows before the show before we started recording. I was coming up short on this one, so I hope you have a good suggestion because I re- I really don't have any idea what I would call this one. Yeah, this one's, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, I really love to hear what, what the listeners have to say, but I'm going to go with saw with zombies because every set piece is like a high tension, like, Oh no, something's about to happen. Like when Wesker closes the door, they're running through and like, Oh no, somebody's about to get smushed. And then when they go through the fans, there's like 27 fans. And oh, no, somebody's about to get chopped up. (laughs) And like then Claire wakes up and she's hanging in a glass box in a dirty bathroom. And I'm like, well, this is just saw number one. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, okay. So I'm going with saw with zombies. Yes, she is Carrie always. (laughs) I can get behind that. Okay. I'm going to put it in. I'm going to put that in saw with zombies. 
Uh, I, yeah, like I said, I really couldn't come up with, I, yeah, if I going down that pathway though, it does make sense to have some sort of kind of escape room situation with zombies. Cause that's essentially all the characters do. It's like, what do you, what, what is Alice doing here? It's like, oh, she's escaping the tank. Great. Now she's escaping this tower. Great. Like, you know, so it's just a series of that. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, arguably, Saw's probably not the right choice. It's probably like Cube, but I don't feel like as many people have seen that film. Um, but it, yeah, it's a series of like traps to be escaped is where I was going with that. <clears throat> I think I this might be something that we can revisit during yeah. our reader mailbag episode. We can maybe shore this up with the listeners. I got to say, many people agree with us on at least two of these. <laughs> so <laughs> at least two, at least two of them in, in, in the eyes and the ears of the listeners, we have absolutely nailed it. And two then out have, of six is like, that's a good batting average. I would I mean, yeah, for, for, you know, <laughs> 400, we're talking, that's all, that's a hall of fame shit right there. So not bad. I would go to, I would argue for many of these actually, I think we did a great job, but I, that is not to say that we have we have been outclassed a little bit for some of the suggestions, so <laughs> we'll right. get there. We'll get I look there. forward to hearing them. Okay. I want to talk about some production notes, Eric. Yeah. Some things about how this movie came to be. Just some fun facts, a little bit of trivia, I guess. Um, not much on this one. I feel like this was maybe pretty hasty, hastily thrown together, but we'll see. We'll see. If you could believe it, 15 years later, we get the end of this franchise. I, that's wild that it took that long. But 15 years of Resident Evil films. It's a good long run. Yeah. Yeah. That's some staying power. Every one of them, I read this, I read this review of the franchise as a whole, and I'll have to, I'm spacing on the name of the person who, who wrote it. But the, the, the crux of the argument was, they are so out of time after like the first two that each subsequent film felt like a reboot of the franchise that was like purposely bad. <laughs> like, and I was like, that's an interesting, like that's, that's interesting. There's like, because the time between each of them continued to grow. I think it was four. What was it? Four three, four years after the last one. That's a long, oh, maybe not a super long time in movies. It was but, four years. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's worth, it's worth pondering. I think yeah. this one probably in 2017, are we at here? Uh, 2016. I feel like probably at the time this one felt like a little long in the tooth. It definitely did. It, 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 it was I, to me, it was surprising. A new one was, was coming out. Um, I was sort of vaguely buoyed by the fact that they were like, it's the final chapter. Yeah, no, really we're done. Yeah. It's like, all right. We all promised. Right. We promised. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think it made sense. I, I am surprised it ran that long, but, uh, that's from an audience perspective. The studios were probably stoked. They, yeah. they made a lot of money. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
Uh, I just wanted, this was just a personal one. The dogs, once again, sadly, do not make an appearance in this film. I'll call it out. Uh, I hope there are dogs in this film, Andrew. Well, I mean, we, you know, <laughs> we can call, you can call them whatever you want. I want my, I want the meat puppies is what I want. All right. Uh, I could not independently verify this because it was phrased exactly the same everywhere I looked. But apparently mm-hmm. 95% of this movie was filmed handheld by Paul W.S. Anderson himself. There is that, a lot of handheld work in this movie that is like, yeah, uh, potentially, um, you know, if you are prone to motion sickness, <laughs> you might not have a great time. I, I can't confirm or deny that either. It, yeah, that just seems interesting. that seems like a lot, right? Um, especially given how much second unit work probably goes into these films. But that's my thought too. 95% feels high, but if they, if someone was like 80% of this movie, I'd be like, okay, okay. <laughs> but like, 95, I don't know, but that's everywhere. I don't know if like IMDB ran that trivia and then every other place just ran Probably the story. I've, so, I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, there's that. The only person that knows for sure is Glenn McPherson and, and, he's not talking cause he got hired to work on monster hunter after this. So. Correct. <laughs> Correct. He's like, I, my best friend, Paul, I still have a job. So. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of interesting. The memories that Alicia Marcus uploads for Alice at the end of the movie are actually real life home videos of their daughter, ever Anderson. And many of the pictures and videos are, are you can just watch them on Mila's Instagram which I thought was kind of a cool thing. They're like, I hate, well, not I hate the strong word. I, the artifice of like childhood memories and films mm-hmm. and how perfect they sometimes are is yeah. like, ugh, it's a little, yeah, I, I don't care for that. But these ones are actually pretty good. Like, you know, you can see them out of context. You're like, oh, that was like a day at the beach that they were there, you know? It's kind of cool. Yeah, and occasionally like they... We seem to have gotten better at it with, you know, just photo manipulation technology. But like sometimes the pictures are so clearly doctored. Yes. Because they're like, we're only going to use this for like 10 seconds in the film. Don't put a lot of work into it. Right. But like, I don't know. We were watching a movie uh, recently that was made in the 80s and the opening credits of the film are like old pictures of these people from like the 30s. Right. Yeah. But, like, it literally looked like they had cut out and pasted their heads on other people's photographs. <laughs> um, so, like, going this route, right, like, real images of someone who was in the film is just so perfect and easy. Yeah. It's just a great way to do it. it re- yeah. That, uh, that's what I really liked about it. It was, uh, there was like an authenticity to it where I was like, oh, that's really great. And again, we, you see those for all of three seconds. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But pretty cool. Pretty cool nonetheless. So uh, in the chronology, mm-hmm. this film is supposed to be three weeks after the events of Resident Evil Retribution where Albert Wesker was the president. I just want to reiterate, Albert Wesker is the president of the United States. And we and don't what, know. what has Alice been doing for three weeks? Yeah. When we see her, she's the last person in Washington, D.C. Yes. Anyway. And 
here's this. We don't know what happens to Jill, Ada, Leon, or Becky, and mm-hmm. who all made it to the White House. <laughs> so, Sorry. like, they're dead, I guess. I, when she friends into Claire in the movie, I my first question would be like, how's your brother? Is he okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't know where Chris is either. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's fine. Oh, yeah. And then in real world time, this was four years after Retribution. So three weeks, four years. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. That's it. That's really all the trivia there is about this. Not, you know, production notes, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I don't know if there was like a BTS on this DVD, but I don't care. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how <laughs> it felt like, you know, like the amount of effort. I Here's what else. It's like it's hard to quantify like I feel like Paul W.S. Anderson was done like this movie feels like I'm done right I mean are you saying it feels like phoned in not that see that's the thing it's hard to it's that's what's hard to quantify because like visually there are some spectacular things happening in this okay movie. so yes I'm I'm with you on that where like I don't I don't think anyone did a, a poor job because this was the last one. Yeah. But they also didn't spend a lot of time on any detail. Right? That's really it. Yeah. Story-wise, he was like, what is the what can I do to just be done? It f- it feels like there was a desk full of index cards of set pieces and we just put them in order <laughs> and then we're like, how do we get from one to the other? Right? Yeah. Like and that's that's fine. The end product was was fun. Yeah. Um, but you can't think real hard about it. <laughs> Don't try either. <laughs> yeah, that was – we watch so many shows now where you have like – I wa- I mean, I – again, I, I assume nobody has seen anything, whatever. But there was this show called Breaking Bad one time, right? <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah. I heard it was good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, I'm mocking, but I've literally never watched Breaking Bad. Okay, good. So you, th- you'll understand. You you can at least appreciate it from this perspective. Sure. While they were making that show, um, it's the it's the classic story of season one of Breaking Bad did not do great viewership wise, right? And then in the in the streaming, I think maybe that even led into season two and then it got picked up on streaming. So it dropped on Netflix. Right. But the team behind breaking bad was so confident in the product that they were making that from the beginning, they documented like the pro like the behind the scenes process of like how they were writing and creating this show. And then they like, after the show finished, they like released a documentary about like, here's how we made it more or less, right? Like two yeah. hours. And it was fascinating how much they sweat the details. They had like this, like a, like a whole wall of index cards. And they're like, here are all of the open questions. Here are all the loose threads. Here's this, here's how can we connect this to this? And then, like, by the end, there were no cards on the board. And I was like, I can't fucking believe (laughs) that they were able to pull it off, right? Yeah. It's it's a feat when it's done, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the only show that's ever done that. But, like, 
I, it might be the one where they had enough confidence going in to like, I think we could stick this landing <laughs> to, to like make a documentary <laughs> about them sticking the landing, you know? And, and like, like I don't need that for my storytelling. Well, yes. to be clear, I don't, it, it, you don't have to answer every question. Right. Right. But like when it's done, I appreciate it for sure. Yeah. I'm not a person who's, who I, I tend not to uh, be too harsh on a bad ending if I really like the journey. Right. right. So, you know, like <laughs> Game of Thrones, what, you know, <laughs> it's like, all right. I mean, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that, I didn't really care for it, but uh, I, I loved everything leading up to that. You know, that's, that says something. What's really funny is is we've just recently watched Game of Thrones. I think we discussed this on another episode. And like that last season does not read as badly if you're binge watching. I oh, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to back to back. That's, I think the problem was you guys who watched it live had to wait two years and were like, wait, what is happening now? <laughs> what, which, which episode's too dark? Which? No, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I forget what, what I was watching where like the, there are some writers who can like pay off stuff in a, like in a clever, interesting way Yeah, that isn't like winky. It's not obnoxious. Um, it's not like in your face and, and like, I just really appreciate that. I don't always need and the, the analogy stands. I don't really need the board to be clear at the end. I would, sure. And v very rarely is it. And I don't, you know, I'm not like, well, what the, f you know, what the fuck, man? But uh, why were there polar bears on the island? <laughs> like, bro, they told you that. They just didn't give you the answer you wanted. Yeah. Um, this, I, I don't, and it, there wasn't an attempt made. And then it feels like maybe even I would even go so far as to say there might even be more cards than there were on the board before we started uh, the movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's interesting that Anderson took over the writing duties for every film yeah. and contradicts himself. Right. It's, like, it, I know that you would, I would expect that if the writers changed every time. Sure. And, or if it was like a committee or whatever. Exactly. But, yeah. But, so there is that I, again, I didn't. I didn't uh, hate this movie, right? I, I I thought it was, you know, I had a great time yeah, visiting it. Um, totally. So there is that. I guess the question that that you know really comes up is, so far, in five movies, yeah, there hasn't been a lot in the movies that ties it to the video games. Yeah. So in this one, did. Did we bother? Is there anything in this movie that has anything to do with the video games? Here's what I'll say. <laughs> Again, he plays the games. He loves, it's like, uh, that comes through. Paul W.S. Anderson has played all of the games. I get it. I understand. Because he just picks whatever the fuck he wants. This time in our notes, Eric, I have, I have linked some things for you to actually look at while I while I walk through these, you could tell me how close I am. All right. So right at the beginning, when she's drinking from the nasty ass reflecting pool, I would not drink from that pool, but whatever. Uh, she is attacked by something called a yavo, 
Uh, and those are enemies in Resident Evil 6. Okay. Uh, if you click on that, you might see what a Yavo looks like. I think it's it's not exact, but I think it's pretty close to what ho- hopped out of the water, right? All right. Minus okay. the luchador paint on the face. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But yeah, right. I think that might be close. Yeah. Uh, James Marcus actually exists in the games and was canonically one of the founders of Umbrella. That was explored in uh, Resident Evil 5 and six, the games. So, uh, well, and like in the films, he was in two. Yeah. He wasn't a founder. Correct. He was just a scientist. Yeah. So, okay. which is a real problem. But, right. uh, <laughs> so, and again, totally different actor. Correct. Right. How, how dare. For how him dare. and his daughter. Right. What the hell? Uh, that big old flying dragon. I think we talked about this. At the at the end of the last episode, when we see them at the White House, yeah, uh, those would be from Resident Evil Five, called a Kipipeo, I believe you pronounce this. If you click through and see this thing, yeah, close, right? No, I would say that that is the movie version of of what was in the game for sure. Yeah, the only difference being is that these things are roughly human size in the game. They're not mm. like pick up a Humvee size. Uh, so they definitely like embellished a little bit, which well, is they've been They've been eaten. <laughs> right. There's only 4,500 people left on earth. They have, have full bellies. Uh, we didn't really touch on it, but there's a surprising uh, amount of knife fighting in this movie. She, like, Given the opportunity, Alice goes like grabs a knife. She's always had a knife, I think, but it's clear like she goes to grab knives a lot in this one, right? Uh, the knife. Uh, there were a couple things references here. There was like a the last movie had it too. There was like quick time events in Resident Evil Four where you're fighting with knives a lot, like you're parrying and doing all this shit with a knife. Might be might be a reference. I don't know. Sure. The Hummer. In the- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I felt when I saw it. I was like, uh-huh. it might be Resident Evil 4, whatever. Um, there's a Hummer in the beginning, and it's labeled BSAA. That stands for the Bioterrorism Security Assessment Alliance. Uh, that is a special forces group introduced in Resident Evil 5. Uh, Chris Redfield is a member, one of the founding members of the BSAA. It's a, like a kind of a worldwide coalition situation okay. so yeah, it, was, it was like a small thing but i was like oh, it's, i guess a little easter egg for the fans yeah uh this is pretty neat that creepy ass monster that you were talking about the fast zombie yep uh this could be one of two things and you can click through <laughs> and take a peek at this because or maybe maybe it's both i don't really know there's a resident there's a enemy in resident evil 6 called bloodshot okay and then there's an enemy in resident evil 4 called a regenerator I say bloodshot because bloodshot was fast, but this thing kind of looked more like a regenerator, but those things were fucking slow. So you tell me. I think I think they're both maybe a yeah. mixture almost. I can't tell. But I'll I'll give it to you because like Bloodshot looks pretty close, I'd say. It's like very like Exposed. Bloodshot seems to yeah have more like exposed musculature and that sort of thing, which yeah, seems appropriate. Teeth. He bites like a guy's head off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. For sure. And the regenerator looks very like plain and simple. So like yeah. head shape maybe, but not as much the body. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
the triple barrel shotgun. I'm so happy you brought that up. Paul W.S. Anderson loves to grab things from the games, uh, and he does. In the game, there is a weapon called the Hydra. Three heads, three <laughs> barrels. It's incredible. Uh, uh, it's why like, isn't that called Cerberus? Anyway. <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, I don't have the answer. Okay. Uh, that's just a fu- that's certainly like a little Easter egg. And then again, keeping with the weapons, Wesker's handgun, which is featured pretty prominently, it might be a reference to the Samurai Edge. It looks exactly like it. It's like long term, long time fans of the game love this gun. It's not like a, it's not like a particularly great gun in the games. It's just like it's got a cool ass name. It's one of those situations like we've talked about where like we can't use Smith and Wesson. Because that's a thing and we'd have to pay for. What do we call it? Like, Samurai I mean, it, Edge sounds pretty cool. <laughs> so it looks like a military issue 1911, but I yeah. guess that's even more boring. So, <laughs> so there's, there's Samurai Edge. That's it. That's All like... Right. Uh, so literally no plot points, no characters. Nothing. None of this stuff. Okay. Not even... Again, you know... <laughs> Is Raccoon City a place from the games? Yep. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, yep. is Wesker in games? Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, but that's, I mean, that's the level we're operating on here. Dr. Isaacs? No. No. <laughs> All these clones running around? Who that's... arguably comes like the big bad of this franchise by the end of the film, but okay. Yes. It's pretty, it's actually pretty funny. He's so bad he kills himself. It's a. It's like a wild... <laughs> What a wild <laughs> twist. So there we go. There we All go. Right. Eric. Yes, sir. Is this a satisfying conclusion to the story of Alice? Yes. All right. I mean, I mean, like, it, you know, of the number of ways this franchise could end um, with like a brand new clone or like a, any number of things, right? Like she could just straight up die. Like, I don't know. I, I like the way that, that they wrapped up her story. Like she's, she saves the day. Um, she, uh, uh, like gets her life back. Um, which isn't really something she's, you know, been looking for, but like, it's kind of been a through line throughout the films is that like, mm-hmm. She, she doesn't really remember who she is. She wants a family, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, yeah I think, I think it went, uh, as well as it could. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree. You know, I like to, I like the ride. My next question kind of just builds on top of that. I guess this, however we answer this, it actually probably goes doubly for the listeners too. <laughs> Oh boy. Was this like, was this, uh, revisiting this franchise, uh, was it worth our time and our time being watching the movie, thinking about the movie, putting together notes, recording a podcast about the movie. <laughs> and then like, it's, it's like whatever the, t- whatever the runtime is triple mm-hmm. it. And that's our investment in this. So what are you thinking? Did you have fun? I, I had fun. Yeah. All right. Good. I did too. I, like worth it is such a relative concept, but like I enjoy these films, you know, before we started this, you and I had already been talking about these movies and how like silly fun they are. So like 
I had no problem revisiting them. Um, you know, thought it was a blast. Yeah. Likewise. I forgot how much of these have kind of stuck with me. Like again, <laughs> remembering stuff like latent memories of these films that, you know, have some frankly pretty incredible things going on inside of them. So uh, you can't take that away. If, if nothing else, you know, don't, I wouldn't go to these for the story for the impeccable storytelling, but <laughs> no. God damn, they are fun. They are yeah. so fun. It's just a good, like rainy Sunday afternoon, you know, hangover movies. Yeah. I guess I didn't put this here, but I would, I would, I would ask now because you had brought it up, uh, walking away now before we move on to the reboot, what is your favorite film in this franchise? It's a good question. Um, I don't remember. Like we didn't write down our ratings. So yeah, I figured um, like, you know, it's a, it's a six, you know, I could probably do it off the top of my head based on our <laughs> blank with zombies list, but I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to remember that like the LA one is a lot of fun to me um, yeah. because it, it moves around quite a bit. Um, and the desert one. Um, so what are those like extinction and, uh, uh afterlife and afterlife. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, afterlife has, or I guess no extinction has a character named Kmart. Um, <laughs> sure does. You know, it has uh, a f- attack of the like zombie crows, um, and then uh, uh, afterlife has like the the great like plane crash. Like I, for no reason, I love that whole sequence where she's just like flying around by herself, like trying yeah. to find other humans, <laughs> doing her vlogging, yeah, uh, her early vlogging, yeah, exactly. Uh, I would go with. I would probably squarely go with Afterlife on that one yeah. for me. I'd love the uh, the conceit of the prison. Really, I mean, I've seen that. We've seen that a lot. But I I love their kind of take on it. They're like, how do we, you know, this prison's impenetrable. It's like, well, why don't we just introduce this big ass zombie who has a car block engine hammer? He'll get the he'll get in. <laughs> so. But also mole zombies. You, what, you didn't think they could dig? <laughs> right, yeah. They're yeah. coming up through the floor. They're doing all this shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I would go with, I think, Afterlife for me. And then followed very closely by Extinction, Mad Max with zombies. How could you go wrong? Flaming Tower of Crows. Oh, my God. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's it for Paul W.S. Anderson. Our next episode, next week, I guess, next week. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, let's pen, pencil us in, listeners. Sure. Uh, we're going through a reboot. This is the reboot of the franchise. It's a film called Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Have you watched this one yet? Uh, I did. I did. did. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> we can do that. We can do that on the episode. Yeah. Um, All right. I, I will say that it is. Is the same exact thing I say about every fucking movie that's made these days was like, where are the editors? <laughs> <laughs> right. What happened to editors is my question. 
It's like two and a half hours long, Eric. It's like, wow. I, I right. cannot believe how long this movie was. So I'll, I'll say that, but I'm going to set aside some time then you do. And you might want to do it in parts. I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's not the Irishman, but it's certainly like a commitment, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we'll cover next. It's a whole new cast, new crew. Nobody, there's no overlap whatsoever. Um, so there's that until then, Eric. Oh my gosh. Where could people find and keep up with you on the internet? Uh, people can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Platypus Jones, uh, as well as on the 12 and 24 Discord. I uh, contribute pretty regularly. Um, we have uh, channels for all of our shows, uh, as well as just some general channels about like books and gaming and what have you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good spot to to drop in, Eric. Uh, you know, he is our resident Fast and Furious uh, aficionado. It's like if you say <laughs> any, if you say Fast or Furious or Diesel or any, he just appears. Like he just he just apparates, and it's I incredible. A, I have a Google him. alert. Yeah, <laughs> right. It looks like someone's talking. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, that's twelve and twenty four dot com slash discord. Uh, you can find me across the, I, I hang out in the discord all the time. So that's the best place. But if you uh, want to check other social channels, I'm at dark driving. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Those are some good places to keep up with me as well. That'll bring us to the end of this episode. Thank you all for joining us. And remember just one bite, one scratch from these creatures is sufficient. Stay safe out there. Stay safe out there.